The facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. Everyone and welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that's all about the facts in talent acquisition, the latest research findings in this crazy world of recruitment. My name is Peter Weddle. I'm the CEO of TA Tech. And I'm Shalia Gray. I'm the global head of talent acquisition for Quadient. And we are just delighted to have you here with us today. We're going to talk about a fascinating report from Symphony Talent called the 2023 Talent Acquisition Research Report. But first, I'd like to let you hear from our sponsor. Acquire is a brand new solution that's just been released by Kilo, an established recruitment marketing and technology agency. Here's how it describes Acquire. Acquire is programmatic jobs distribution with easy apply. It's been developed to address the shortcomings and pain points within the programmatic recruitment marketing space. By building a modern platform with true campaign management capabilities, we're changing the game in programmatic technology. What does that mean? Well, first, our technology uses real-time data and machine learning to optimize performance and control spend, maximizing your ROI. Second, we set up your jobs on quick apply, even when it hasn't been adopted in the past. With our software, you can add quick apply to all, some, or none of your jobs. And third, we provide a customizable dashboard that gives you the ability to manage your campaigns and quickly access data from multiple sources. So say goodbye to logging on to different platform accounts to manage your jobs and candidates and say hello to Acquire's one-stop shop visit us at acquireroi.com. Again, that's acquireroi.com. Okay, so again, we're going to take a look at a report from Symphony Talent entitled the 2023 Talent Acquisition Research Report. Now, uh, early in the report, Symphony Talent says that it engaged a third-party research firm to conduct a survey behind the report. But as far as I could tell from reading the report, it doesn't name that research firm. Uh, and that seems like sort of an important detail to omit. But but nevertheless, the, the results of the firm's work, at least as presented in the report, are pretty insightful. So uh, the unknown firm talked to 300 plus people in two kinds of organizations, what they called enterprise, which had from 2,000 to 19,999 employees and what they called strategic, which had more than 20,000 employees. So this is a report that has absolutely nothing about or for uh, SMBs. And the industries that were represented among the survey respondents were healthcare, financial services, retail, manufacturing, technology, media, and internet publishing. Okay, so that's the background. Now let's talk about the findings. Finding number one, the process 
is the problem. Survey respondents said that their own outdated processes and ineffective technology are hurting their performance in today's talent market. And for that reason, they are prioritizing on the process side, better communications with candidates, and on the technology side, better integrated solutions and process automation. So here are the facts in the report. The report identified a number of problems, but near the top was the inability to form a human connection with candidates, which was cited by 30% or more of the respondents. That seems like an important problem to identify, but even more, 39.5%, so almost four out of 10 report having difficulty communicating with candidates. In addition, 38% said ghosting was a problem. And the implication in the report was that uh, the respondents felt that ghosting was a problem because of that lack of human connection and the inability to communicate with candidates. Now, this last data point I I really uh, found very interesting. Uh, Ineffective solution integration Uh, from the perspective of the respondents, has created some really bad gaps in functionality and in reporting and information that they get out out of the integrated tech stack. So that has caused an astonishing 94.4% of the respondents to say that they, quote, prefer one solution that captures data across every candidate touchpoint, from sourcing to hiring campaigns, to pipeline tracking and reporting. So best of breed, at least according to these survey respondents, is no longer something that they are interested in. What do you think, Shalila? I mean, are recruiting processes really all that bad? And and do you agree that one mega solution is the way to fix them? Well, first, I'm going to say the communication thing. You know, this is this is a tale as old as time. Okay. Um, when we didn't have technology, because I can remember that far back, um, it was an, it was a problem because we had candidates, you know, that we meet directly source over the phone at events at job fairs, whatever. And the issue was always, how do we get back to them in a timely manner? You know, how, how do we communicate? Because at that point it was, it wasn't even email at that point. Uh, and then we got to email technology allows us to speed up some of the things by doing batch communications. People put chat bots to interact, interact with candidates. But I think the question is always around what's the right balance that we have with our candidates um, to make them, I want to say, feel wanted, special, and communicated throughout the process. That's something we've always struggled with. And I think whether we have technology or we don't have technology, the right balance there is always going to be the issue. Now, when it comes to the reports talking about ineffective solution integrations, I think in theory, like everything else, you'd rather have one-stop shopping for everything. You'd rather have everything integrated across the platform. But in reality, if you want best in breed, you end up bolting on multiple solutions throughout the process to get what you want. That's just what that's just there because I've not yet seen a provider that does everything well across this, across the process. Um, so a process is really that bad. I don't know if processes are really that bad or if we're dealing with 
candidate expectations, volume of traffic um, that we get um, in response to our jobs, and you know, there's no perfect technology out there. I understand, you know, that technology has made the application process easier. So instead of getting 50 resumes at a career fair, you're now getting 5,000 resumes in response to uh, a job posting on multiple job boards that you're, you're using through programmatic. So the scale of the need for communication is, is huge. Uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm respectful of the fact that uh, it, it's, you know, I mean, re- life goes on. Recruiters uh, have, you know, more than one wreck to deal with, sometimes dozens of wrecks. Uh, but it, it just seems to me that communication is so fundamental. And, and by the way, not just at the beginning of the, at the top of the funnel, but throughout the process, I mean, the, the, one of the main gripes that I hear from job seekers is, you know, they don't know their status. They, they have made it into the, the, uh, the, the qualification process and, and they never know what, what, uh, where they stand. And a lot of companies don't tell the people who aren't selected that they haven't been, which is really, I hear that all the time. Cause that goes back to dispositions, but I'm going to say this, I'm going to do it. I'm going to defend my function over here. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to defend my function. When it comes to communication, there is no perfect solution because let me just say in the U S I found that when people are uh, more labor jobs, entry-level jobs, non-exempt jobs, they find the computer process, in some instances, very cumbersome. They don't understand why it's not a text, why it's not something quick, a contact, all of that, okay? When it comes to college students, they don't understand why it's in a FaceTime, why you can't get back to them instantaneously, why it can be done. When it comes to executives, they want to know why you're bothering them at all, right? Right? <laughs> right? So I, I hear I hear this communication piece, and, and I and I will say this: I stress to my recruiters at any given point, do not let a candidate have a black hole experience. What does that mean? That means when someone applies, and you see that they are not minimally qualified for the job, why are they not told immediately? Right. It's just like it's just like when you have a lot of things on your desktop, the things that you're not going to use that day are not effective for that day. Why won't you take them off the desktop? Why don't you put them away? Because they're not. And and I feel like for the candidates, candidates want to know yes or no. And if you say no, they may feel bad for a minute. Like I know I was qualified, but they know something and they can move on. So that's the first thing. Second thing is in the process. Uh, you know, recruiters schedule phone screens and all those things. And we say, okay, you know, especially ones that are compliant, we have to have a data management technique. So you're not going to call everybody or contact everybody that's minimally qualified. You're going to say the most minimally qualified, take the top 10%. So why don't we just disqualify everyone else? You know why? Because Candace ghosts us. So you don't want to turn away a candidate until you're sure you got a good candidate flow. So unfortunately, until we get those people scheduled, those people qualified, yes or no, the ones right below them are sitting out there in a black hole. We've told you we got your resume, but you're sitting in a black hole. 
then you then then you know when we get through that piece if we think we've got a nice flow and we send it to the manager then it takes enough time there for the manager and the hiring team to schedule so there goes some more time going by and why haven't we disqualified the candidates then well you know what i thought these were the top candidates but the manager says i want to go deeper i want to go more whatever so now those people that were sitting are still sitting so it, it becomes a cycle there and it's and it's so for the most part i'm not going to believe that it's it's intent it's just how communication happens but what i tell people when you're on the other side and you're a candidate it feels like forever it feels like forever even when you're dealing with an executive search firm and they say i'm going to get back to you um you know they phone screen you i'm gonna get back to you they still are at the mercy of the hiring team to put that slate before them, to have conversations, for them to think about next steps, and it just goes on and on. And so I, I think that the, you know, there's just never a, a right answer when it comes to communication. But I apologize all the time when I hear people say to me, you know, I hate recruiting because you guys never, never follow up or I never knew what happened to you. And I say, I apologize on behalf of my function. I know that it takes place and I know why it takes place. Yeah. It's almost a, a checking and egg situation, you know. Uh, ghosting is caused by a number of dynamics, but one certainly is that lack of communication. Uh, but as you've correctly pointed out, you know, you use the, the the lack of communication occurs because you're waiting to deal with the ghosting as you line up your your applicants for interviews. And I can't tell you, you know, in the last several years, how many candidates I've set up for phone screen or a conversation with, and they never showed up. You know, confirmation, email, whatever, never heard, never heard from the end, never knew whatever happened to them. You know, um, I've had friends who actually hired people, hired them, and they ghosted them by never showing up. Yeah. Okay. So maybe the process is part of the problem but not the whole problem. I think it's complicated. Sure. I'm going to say, I think yeah. it's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. All right. Finding number two, many employers have yet to recognize or at least adjust to the shift in candidate expectations. I mean, this is, this is not the first survey. Numerous surveys have been clear that today's candidates, especially those in the newer cohorts in the workplace or the workforce, excuse me, place a high value on a company's reputation, its culture, and its mission. Uh, even when they accept a position, uh, if that company company's culture and values don't align with theirs, uh, they're going to keep looking for another job, even while they're taking a paycheck uh, from, from that organization. So uh, it's clearly important to have an, an, an authentic uh, and clearly communicated employee value proposition uh, as a way of communicating with candidates uh, about those important factors, culture, values, mission. Now, here are the facts in the report. I, I, I just found this astonishing. Almost a third of enterprise employers, these are big companies, 32% uh, and almost a quarter of strategic employers, even bigger organizations, 23%, don't even have an EVP. So what that means is they lack a consistent, clearly articulated statement that conveys to candidates what they stand for as an employer and what it's like working for their organization. 
At the same time, at least according to the respondents to this survey, 75% of them uh, expressed, quote, a clear satisfaction with their organization's current talent acquisition efforts. In fact, half of the enterprise organizations uh, in the survey described their talent acquisitions as mature and an astonishing 35% indicated that their efforts were highly mature. So, Shalila, you know, I mean, these are large and mature organizations. In fact, they even describe themselves that way. So how can they rest on their laurels and lack an EVP that clearly puts them at a disadvantage for uh, hiring talent in today's talent market? I'm going to say there's a couple of reasons. One, I remember the first time I did an EVP project was, I don't know, 12, maybe 15 years ago when it was just becoming a concept. And what I'm going to say is that sometimes companies mistake their product brand with their employment brand. And so, cause the marketing group is responsible for all of the product marketing. And sometimes an organization thinks that's enough. Um, I also think some organizations struggle with how to articulate what their EVP is. Cause you know, you really, your EVP is something that should resonate internally and externally. And it's, you know, it's the reason why people come to work, why they should be a part of your organization, you know, how you will value them while they're there. And I think many people have a hard time putting characteristics to their culture, right? And I think also some companies have a, have a hard time being authentic about their EVP. You know, that's the same reason, you know, I've worked with organizations in the past where senior leaders have struggled with diversity. They recognize that they don't have a lot of diversity. They don't know how to, you know, how to address it. And I start off with, we're working on it. This is an area of priority for me. We're not there, you know, a clear, you know, it, you know, of who we are. And, um, but here's what we're doing to get there. You know, that, that story sometimes is just as good. When it comes to EVP, years ago, there was uh, the head of HR at um, a setting a session um, with the head of HR at Bank of America. Uh, he, he came to an E6 meeting, that organization still exists. Um, and what he said was, if you don't have an EVP, people will make up your employee value proposition. Yeah, And it will right. be made up about from social media. It will be the story that you tell in Yahoo. It will be the story that's told by your you know, stockholders and the market if you do not articulate. So you need to get on the front end of it and tell your side of the story. Well, and it'll also be what appears in the third party employer rating sites, you know. So uh, you, you know, you, you've got to take charge of, of what you stand for as an employer uh, and equally as important, and and I, you know, I find that, you know, this is all also uh, a challenge. It has to be communicated all the time. I mean, it's just like a consumer brand. You can't ever stop promoting that to your customer base. I remember uh, years ago, I sat in on a session, and a guy talked about uh, that he'd done a branding. He'd done a he'd done a study or something with a hospital. They wanted him to come in and and figure out their engagement you know, employee engagement. And he said, I was astonished that even the person who was in janitorial at that hospital knew the mission of that hospital and knew their part in ensuring that there was a clean environment 
for the people who came to work every day and how them doing their job contributed to the success and the health of people in their community. He said, and they had a very simple statement. He said, it was like, a, you know, his most simple, less complex statement I ever had. But for everybody in that hospital to be able to tell me what it was and tell me how they related to it, he said, they did some good work. They did some good work. And I think the same thing is true for, you know, EVP. I mean, I've done these EVP studies. I've worked with marketing firms to do it. You know, they always talk about the pillars and of the EVP, whatever. But really, it's what our employees feel about coming to the organization. And sometimes you also need to go back and check your EVP. So if you're an organization that, you know, for example, unfortunately, you've been going through restructuring or layoffs or whatever, I would say you need to check your EVP. I say right now, Twitter, you probably need to go back and check your EVP because, you know, it does not stay the same. The market doesn't stay the same. The people don't stay the same unless the organization is strong enough to be able to keep it alive. You know, companies tend to change brands um, every seven years. That's well documented over time. Obviously, some do it more frequently, some do it less frequently. But the point is they change. And that reflects a a dynamic in the product mix of the company and in the changes in the marketplace. Well, the same is true with an employee value proposition. Companies are made up of human beings. Human beings change. When new generations of the workforce come into an organization, they change it. They change it in profound ways. When new CEOs come in, the average tenure of a CEO is now down to less than four years. When new CEOs come in, they change the culture and mission and values of the organization. Maybe not overnight, but it does happen. And the EVP has to be adjusted to reflect that. Okay, our final finding, number three, talent technology is going to play a central role in employers' recruiting efforts. I mean, this is this is just one more piece of evidence that, uh, I mean, I, I can remember, uh, you know, when, when the knock used to be that, uh, recruiters were afraid of technology or they were unskilled in the use of state-of-the-art technology. It, not anymore. I mean, many recruiters are as expert with technology uh, as in any other function of the enterprise, and they're also highly reliant on it. Problem, of course, or maybe not a problem, the challenge uh, is figuring out which product or products to buy. We talked about that earlier. Do you buy a a suite that covers everything from soup to nuts, or do you try to get best of breed in each of the key areas that you need covered? Um, But also, uh, you know, you need to implement it effectively and you need to make sure that your, uh, your recruiting team buys into the use of that technology. So here are the facts on the report. 60% of the respondents have invested in one or more of the following uh, technology-based products talent and employee marketplace, a talent uh, and employee marketplace, a candidate relationship management system, reporting and analytics, career sites, and talent and employee assessments. Almost half, 43% of the respondents, say that the number one driver of making a purchase is quality, service, and support. Um, And, you know, we've talked about the support challenge many times, but they also cited certain must have features and and capabilities. And I found this pretty interesting, predictive analytics, skills and behavioral assessments, 
advanced reporting, programmatic job advertising, and automatic CRM integrations. So, Shalila, we've been over this topic over and over and over again. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I think we all agree. I mean, there's no argument that technology is now an essential element of a company's go-to-market uh, talent acquisition strategy. But there are all kinds of pitfalls along the way. So, what advice? I mean, you've done this many, many times. What advice would you would you offer to companies about how best to invest in technology? So, you know, we had a, a really good podcast. We talked about this uh, previously during the year, and, and, and I, my advice still stands. Um, technology leverages a process, leverages a strategy. So you have to first start off with, with, with your approach to TA, um, your approach to recruiting, your approach to the, to the stakeholders in your process. And then I think the next piece is to figure out what are the most critical pieces. And the things that touch people, um, in some way, whether it be your recruiters doing entry, your managers doing recreation or job, you know, position creation, candidates applying all those, all the things that are touch points or pieces of technology that I would not choose lightly. I consider it an investment and I would spend the time doing a lot of due diligence around what it does, the benefits to the organization spending time with other clients that they may have, figuring out if it did what, what indeed it said it would do. Um, and then the implementation strategy that is required for that to be in. I, you know, I, I think it's a bit much when you think you can get everything in one solution. So you just need to know that you're going to do multiple pieces in the tech stack. But I would start off by looking at those critical pieces that you want to leverage. Because then you think about, um, you know, the time and attention it's going to take and the maintenance. For most of these big technologies, I'm going to say multiple year contracts are the way to go in terms of cost effectiveness. So you want to make the right decision. Yeah, I, I think it's so important to think about not only buying the products, but implementing them. And we, we've talked in multiple episodes about the implementation challenge. In fact, uh, we here at TA Tech put together a handbook uh, on uh, best practices for talent technology implementation management, because we think there there is a baseline of best practices. Uh, you, you will obviously create an idiosyncratic superstructure on top of that baseline, but you got to know the baseline first in order to get it right. Um, and, and to your point, you know, the first element of an effective integration of technology is knowing what in the heck you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. You know, you need to understand that process as you were talking, as you were saying, and, and then you need to understand what you want your recruiters to focus on and the rest can be accomplished with technology. Well, here we are. We're at, uh, come to the, the conclusion of our discussion. Again, what we were looking at is a report from uh, Symphony Talent the 2023 Talent Acquisition Research Report. You can download it for free from their website. And that's it for this episode of Start Smart. You can listen to it again uh, and take in all the other episodes at tatech.org forward slant start hyphen smart, or you can download the podcasts at Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts. 
this is our last show for 2022, and, and Shalila and I are very grateful for those of you who listen in regularly. Uh, you've helped to put the show in the top ranks in the tech news category, and we're very grateful for that. So please keep coming back for more food for thought on the facts in talent acquisition. And in the interim, please have a safe, a healthy, and a joyous holiday season. We will see you next year. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us. And come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.